The previous Mishnah went slightly sidetracked from the main subject of the Mishnah and brought a couple of cases where somebody is forbidden to marry a particular woman because it will lead people to suspect him of having violated a particular Avera. For example, if he was already suspected of having had relations with a non-Jewish woman, so even if she then converts, it's forbidden for him to marry her, since it will support people's suspicions that he had relations with her when it was forbidden. The remaining two Mishnahis of the Masechta bring more cases to do with this, and the first case of the Mishnah is Hamevi Get Mimdina Sayom. Somebody who brings a Get from abroad, he comes to Eretz Yisrael from any country outside of Eretz Yisrael, and he comes with a get, and he claims that the husband of a particular woman gave him, a, he wrote a get, and he sent him as a messenger to divorce his wife, to give over the get to his wife. And the halach is that somebody who comes from outside of Eretz Yisrael into Eretz Yisrael with a get, he needs to save Omar, and he said, in front of me the get was written, and in front of me the get was signed by the witnesses. So if somebody did that, then that man, the messenger who brought the get, is forbidden to marry the wife of the man who sent him, the woman who he gave the get to, because that will lead people to suspect that really there was never a get. And he made out the whole story so that he would be able to marry her, and therefore it is forbidden for that man himself to marry the woman. Next case of the Mishnah, if somebody comes to Beistin and he says, Mace, a particular man died. Or if he said, Haragtiv, I killed him. Or Haragnuhu, we killed him. I was part of a group of people when somebody killed this person and I was there. The halach is that even though in general, whenever testimony is given in Beistin, two witnesses at least are required. The law is that when it comes to permitting a woman to marry other people, it's enough that even one witness comes and says that her husband died. Already then she is permitted to marry another man. That's in order that she not end up being tied and unable to marry another man if she doesn't know what happened to her husband. So based on the lenient, and we allow her to get married even if only one witness comes and says that her husband died. So this person came to base and he said that this man had died. It's forbidden for him to marry that woman because again it will bring people to suspect him of having lied and made up the story in order that he'll be able to marry the woman. Now Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, Haragtiv, if somebody comes to Basin and said that I killed the man, the wife of the man that he says died cannot remarry anybody. Not only is he not able to marry her, but she is still forbidden to marry somebody else. And this is because of the law that ain't other mesim atzmi rasha, which literally means one cannot make oneself into a rasha. Meaning that if somebody comes and confesses to a sin in Basin, He's not believed. Since a Russia is an invalid witness, if somebody comes to Basin and confesses to having violated an Avera, such as killing somebody, including what he's saying is that I'm a Russia, which means that the testimony is invalid. And therefore, says Rehuda, it's as if nobody came to Basin and said that he had died, and so she is still forbidden to marry somebody else, because we assume that her husband is still alive, since his testimony is invalid. Now the Tanakama argues and holds that she can get remarried, and the reason for the Tanakama is because of a concept known as Palginon Dibure. We can split his words, we can split what he said into two parts. When somebody comes to Basin and said that I killed somebody, he's really telling us two things. Firstly, he's telling us that a man is dead, 
And another thing which he is telling us is that the reason why he's dead is because he killed him. So the first thing which is coming to tell us that he's dead, that we do accept. Since that's a factual statement, nothing to do with him being a Russia. The second part of the testimony which makes him into a Russia, so that is not accepted. But the fact that he is dead, that part we do accept and therefore she can remarry somebody else. But again, it is still forbidden for this particular witness to marry her so that people don't come to suspect him of making up the story. Now, even Rabbi Yehuda agrees that Haragnuhu, if somebody comes to Basin and says that we killed him, and that means that he wasn't actually the murderer, he was just present when somebody did kill him, Tinose Ishtoy, the, the wife can remarry because this man is not considered to be the Rosha because he was only present when the murder took place, but he himself was not the Rosha who killed him, and therefore his testimony is accepted. Mishnah Yud, the halach is that somebody is able to make a neder, a vow, not to benefit from certain things or certain people. In addition, if a woman does make a neder, that she's not going to benefit from her husband. So included in that is that she's not going to be able to have marital relations with her husband. And if that is the case, then the husband is obligated to divorce her. Now there is a halacha that somebody who did make a neder, if after making the vow he sees that it's very difficult for him to keep to the vow, there is an option for him to go to a Talmud Chacham, and if the Talmud Chacham finds a real excuse and reason to do so, he is able to annul the vow. He can cancel the neder and he will, and he or she would then be permitted to go against the neder. So the mission discusses a case where a woman made a neder not to benefit from her husband, and so if she cannot get this neder annulled, if she can't get the neder cancelled, then she'll need to be divorced. So she went to a particular chacham, and her chacham she osar so ish neder al baila. This Talmud Chacham forbade the woman after she made a neder against benefiting from her husband. Meaning he told her that I can't find an excuse and I'm not going to permit it. So because of that, she'll now need to be divorced. Says the Mishnah, Harry it's forbidden for that Talmud Chacham to marry the woman since it will lead people to suspecting that the reason why he didn't permit the neder was so that he would be able to marry her. Alright, continues the Mishnah, Me'anor. If a woman performs Mion in front of a particular Dayan, a particular judge on the base din, Mion we learned in the first parak of the Masechta, is when a woman's father dies before she reaches the age of Bas Mitzvah, such that if she then gets married before reaching the age of Bas Mitzvah, her marriage is only valid with Rabbonon. And the halach is that in such a marriage, she is able to walk out of the marriage and dissolve the entire marriage before reaching the age of Bas Mitzvah. And that is known as Mion, and once she performs Mion, it's as if she was never married at all. Be as it may, Mion is performed in Beistin, or a case where a woman, where a woman performed chalitza in front of a particular judge on the basin. Says the Mishnah Yisraeno, the judge on the basin is permitted to then marry her because he's not the only one who is part of the basin. There are another two judges, so we don't suspect him of having caused her to do chalitza or mion in order that he'll be able to marry her. Because he's part of a base then, he's part of a larger group, so there are two other people involved as well, and therefore there is no suspicion in this case. Now says the Mishnah, in all of the cases which we've discussed over the past couple of Mishnayas, the Chulon in all of the cases, Noshim, if that man had another wife, so let's say the man who brought the get from abroad, he's already married. Now although in the times of the Mishnah it was permitted for somebody to marry multiple women, 
It wasn't so common. And we don't suspect the man of having made up the story in order to marry this woman if he is already married to a different woman. And therefore, if he was married to a different woman at the time of the bringing of the get, or the time where he gave testimony to Bastin, and all of those cases, and then after that, Vamesu, his wife died, the woman who he permitted to remarry, she can marry him since there is no suspicion involved. And similarly, Vachulon, and all, in all of these cases, if Shenisula Achirim, the woman who became permitted to marry somebody else, she indeed married somebody else, and then the Nisgarshu, she was divorced, Aishanis Almanu. Well, she became a widow again from that husband. She is then permitted to marry this man who originally permitted her to remarry because there's no suspicion that he made up a story in order that she'll be able to marry somebody else and then after she's divorced, he'll be able to remarry to marry her. And on a similar note, ends off the Perek, the Chulon, and all of these cases, all of these women who this man permitted her to remarry, although she's forbidden to marry him straight away, Mutoris live Nehen, she's permitted to marry the son of this man, or the brother of this man, because we do not suspect him of having made up a story and done that Avera of giving false testimony in order to permit her to marry his son or brother. There's only suspicion when he himself goes and marries her, and therefore in that case it would be permitted for her to marry his son or his brother. We now return to the focus of the Masechta, Yevomus, and we actually described the case of this Mishnah earlier on in Perek Base. This is the case of Achisukukosai. As we have seen already, when a man dies without children, his wife immediately has a Zika, some sort of weak marital connection to the brothers of her dead husband. And Midrabanan, as a result of that connection, it's forbidden for the brothers, the Yavomim, to marry the relatives of that woman, of the Shemeris Yavom, also known as the Zakuka. And so says the Mishnah, and there's a diagram to help, Arba Achim. If there are four brothers, Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Shnaimahen, Nesun, Shteachoyos, two of the brothers, Reuven and Shimon, are married to two sisters, Rachel and Leah. And then, those two brothers, Reuven and Shimon, who are married to the two sisters, they both die. So two sisters fall to Levi and Yehuda. Says the Mishnah, both sisters must do chalitza and not yibum. So let's say, for example, Levi would do chalitza to Rochel and Yehuda would do chalitza to Leah. Because to both Levi and Yehuda, each sister is his achisukukosai. There is a zikah from both sisters to both brothers. So since Rochel is a zikukot to Levi, Leah is therefore achisukukosai, the sister of his zikuka. And the same goes the other way around, and also for Yehuda. And therefore, Midrabonon, it's forbidden for them to do yibum. Continues the Mishnah, What happens if the two brothers, Levi and Yehuda, violated the Yavei Midrabonon of marrying her? marrying two sisters, and so Levi married um, Rachel, let's say, and Yehuda married Leah. They both performed Yibum, says the Mishnah Yitziu, they are obligated to divorce them. Even though we learnt a couple of cases in the second Perek, where it was also forbidden to perform Yibum because of Achisukukosai. However, once they did perform Yibum, we allow them to remain married. In those cases, it was only a doubt as to whether it was an Achisukukosai case. However, in our case, they certainly did violate that Avera. 
And therefore, even though now, in the continuation of the marriage, they would not violate the Avera of Achizukukasai, because there is no longer any Zika, because Yibum has been performed already, since when they did the original Yibum, it was certainly forbidden, so Mijabodon, we forced them to get divorced. However, Abeliezer, Abeliezer says that this is not agreed upon, it's actually a machloikas between Bishamai and Bishilel, Bishamai and Bishamai say Yekaimu, they are permitted to remain married, since they are no longer violating any Avera, and it's only Beis Hillel who say that they must get divorced. The Gemara brings an opinion that actually it's the opposite, the Beis Hillel is the lenient one who allows them to remain married, and that would fit with the general pattern of Beis Hillel usually being more lenient than Beis Shammai. Mishnah Beis, the first case of this Mishnah is actually a case which we had in the previous Perek, and there is a diagram from it for Perek Beis Mishnah Gimel, the case of Achisa Shehiyavinta. If one of the sisters was forbidden on one of the brothers, either Levi or Yehuda, let's say Levi, as an Isser Erva. So let's say, for example, Rochel was Levi's daughter-in-law. So when Reuben and Shimon die, there is no Zika at all between Rochel and Levi. So there's only one Zekukot to Levi, which means that Levi can perform Yibum with that woman, because she is not Achi Zekukosai, since Rochel is not a Zekukot at all to Levi. So also, but it's forbidden for Levi to do Yibum, of course, with his daughter-in-law, Rochel. However, so it's permitted for him to do it with Leah, with his Erval sister, Vashani, and the second brother, uh, Yehuda. So he does have two Zekukos, and therefore, like in the previous Mishnah, also Rishtei, and it's forbidden for him to do Yibum with both Rochel and Leah. However, says the Mishnah, if the reason why Rachel was forbidden to Levi was not because she was his, his daughter-in-law, his erva, such that there will be no zika at all between Levi and Rachel. Rather, the prohibition was only Isra Mitzvah. It was an erva midrabonon. For example, one's grandmother, let's say. The Isra Kadusha, or it was an Isra Kadusha, which the previous Perek brought a few examples, such as the fact that she was a divorcee, and he was a Koyain. Prohibitions with the Orisa, but which are only on the level of a prohibition. It's not as severe a prohibition as marrying a erva, and therefore there is a Zika between Levi and Rachel. It's true that he would not be able to do Yibum with her, Midrabonon, as we saw in the previous Perek, but there is certainly a Zika between them. With Orisa, they would be Ill, able to do Yibum even. And because of that, there is a prohibition of Achisukukosai, and Sechultzis, again, both women would require Chalitza, not Yibum, because there is a Zika between both brothers and both sisters. It should be noted that we see a very important concept over here, which will run through the Masechta, that even though there is a prohibition to do Yibum, it's not a severe enough prohibition to cause there not to be a Zika at all. So there is a Zika, it's just forbidden to do the act of Yibum. But the connection which there is, and the sort of the mitzvah of Yibum, the reason to do Yibum, is there, just that practically it is forbidden to perform the mitzvah. However, that connection of Zika does still exist.